I feel conflicted. I feel conflicted. I, I don't want to see I that. I feel conflicted. I don't, I don't need, need to see that. I don't want. I don't need to. I don't want. I don't need to see that. I don't want to see that. I don't want to see that. Alright, so welcome back. Hi Marcy. Hi Jenny. Hi Miss Marcy. Hi Miss Jenny. Hi Miss Marcy. Hi Miss Jenny. Hi Miss Marcy. We're one step away from having that go very wrong. <laughs> Suddenly only our dogs can hear it. <laughs> this is a show for dogs and anyone who likes Valerie Cherish. Uh, we are moving on to episode they were puppies. They're puppies. It was so cute. I know. This episode was entitled "Valerie Stands Up for Aunt Sassy," right? It yes. Was entitled. It was very. It was a very entitled. It, it, yeah, it's a very entitled. I'm sorry. It's titled. But it also, I feel that every episode of the comeback is a slightly entitled. It is slightly entitled. We're slightly entitled. Well, I'm very entitled. I'm very entitled. <laughs> I'm entitled to talk about the comeback. I think I moved the microphone. Did I? I don't think it matters. Okay. First off, I just want to say an alternative title for this episode could also be The Hate Show. Oh, I know. <laughs> this show hurt my heart so much. It my, my heart was squeezing throughout the entire thing. General feelings and thoughts on the episode? You seem so much like a therapist just now when you said that. <laughs> I feel like I want to talk about my childhood. We can. My childhood is Valerie Cherish. We've got to tap into I think your we all inner... have a little Valerie Cherish in us. I think we do. For anybody who appreciates this show, there probably is a little bit of connection with her, right? Because any show, you want to find a way in with the characters. And even though she seems completely different from us or anybody we're really close to, thankfully, these days, there's also something really familiar about her. And she stands up for Aunt Sassy. She's standing up for Aunt Sassy. So there's a little Aunt Sassy in all of us, too. It's the tracksuits. It is. We all need a comfortable tracksuit. Jenny and I are wearing tracksuits right now. Yes, mine is a lovely pastel. And mine is neon. <laughs> and we've got some mall walking shoes on. We do. Along with your my, your I boot. still have my, my boot on. The my broken boot. leg boot. The boot. The boot. Okay, so it made your heart hurt. Did you have any other general thoughts or you want to just get into it? I just want to get into it. Okay, so we're opening and it's show night and... They are being, she's being interviewed about getting ready to go into show night, and she's trying to coordinate with Jesse, one of the other members of the cast, one of the young kids in the cast. Um, Who now at this point, we're starting to get the feeling they too uh, could care less about her. Right. She's wearing out her welcome. She has at this point. The shimmer, the new car sheen has, <laughs> has begun to dull. There And there, you start to see that they're all kind of assholes. Right. And they really are. They're young assholes. Especially this guy, Jesse. Oof. He was an idiot. Yes, so she's trying to come up with a little bit. She's always trying to come up with bits for them to do. Not she and Jesse, she and anybody to do. You know the thing is, they always sound really wrong, but they always work when she does them. She's at, She does know what she's doing. That's the thing about Valerie. Absolutely. Nobody takes her serious, but she does know what she's doing. 
she's so close and yet she's it's like she's too involved it matters too much to her or something she she puts too much weight on things it's too important to her these little bits and even though yes they could work and often do when they do end up happening at the same time her presentation is so off-putting that it's hard for anybody who's getting that to get on board with her because they're put off by her. If there's a whistle, it's my nasal cavity. I don't hear it, but maybe you do. We both addressed the microphone and whether that happened. Okay, so she proposes doing the bit that they used to do on It where she would do the robot and... (laughs) And Jesse looked at her like she was crazy. Like, I am not doing the robot. That's old. Yeah, he says it's like a hundred years old. She's like, yeah, well, that's what makes it funny. As you see the little, there's always a little, she has this little look on her face like, ouch. Moving on. (laughs) (laughs) Ouch. Recover. Yeah. Nailed it. So they go out and. Oh, no. First, she said, well, I'll give you a little smack on the butt then. And then he goes, well, then I'll smack you back. And she's like, oh, no. No, that's not okay. And when she's being interviewed by Jane, she's like, "People love Valerie Cherish. I don't, I don't think they want to see her being physically abused." <laughs> I know the little slap on the ass is will be turned into abuse. And this will go into the next episode too, because we've already watched episode five. But there is, there's this push and pull internally in Valerie Cherish. Here I am describing the psychological undertones of Valerie Cherish, but where she puts on this prudish facade and yet underneath there's a little bit of dirty girl. There is a dirty girl in Valerie Cherish. And then when she expresses it outside and somebody responds, then she goes back into her prudy girl. Yeah. Uh, She's not the only one I've seen many... This happens with a lot of people, but it's, it's definitely this ambivalence about her sexuality although we've talked about how important it does seem to her to want to be seen as sexy yes they go out and she doesn't think it's a good idea for jesse to slap her but does he he does he no she gets slapped sam and she she goes gotcha and then runs off oh okay so that's yeah and mark is in the audience he was sitting there with this paper too i'm wondering if he's even watching the show marky mark right marky mark and Mickey's around, of course. He made a comment about wearing his clogs, and he's running around. And I'm thinking, you're, you know, it's show night. If you're not wearing appropriate shoes, come on. I know. Mickey always tries to make himself important because no one else does. It's Poor true. Mickey. Afterwards, Mark is congratulating her on the show. They're backstage. They're getting ready to go home. He is, he is eating at craft service, and when she inquires <laughs> what he's eating, and he tells her that she. He's eating the nuts. She has a very strong reaction. <laughs> it was a booger reaction. That there's a grip with no <laughs> nose. The description was so absurd. That there's, uh, yes. that there's... No, she didn't say no nose. She said he's always up in his nose. Oh, I thought that she was saying that he had no nose and things were always falling out of it. No, like like he picks his nose all the time and and uh, and the, then he goes in the peanuts. I thought she said he, that they had a grip without a nose. No. All right, well. That's why later when he walked by and she goes, that's the grip. Oh, see, and Mar- I was just you doing can't see this. Ms. Ma- yeah, Miss Marcy just made a gesture around her nose. I thought that he actually had no nose and they don't show him. 
walking. They just show him from behind, and you were great. Oh, great. you were great. Really? Yeah. Thank you. Oh, good, good. What are you eating? What is it? Nuts. From the from there. From the bowl. Oh no, Mark, don't eat those. I'm hungry. Oh no, Mark. We have a um, we have a grip here. He's missing his nose. God bless him. Just a prince of a guy, but he you know, stands over that bowl all day long and things. What? Things fall out. All right. Drew your picture. <laughs> so. Okay. So there we go. Something something's going on with this. There's camp. boogers in the peanuts. There's boogers in the peanuts. That's all that matters. And it's grossing her out. A PA comes over, gives her the script. She's. She's leaving with Mark. They're leaving in separate cars. But as they're walking off, the PA helps himself to a handful of booger nuts. <laughs> Which could also be another title for the show. Booger nuts. Booger nuts. Help yourself to a handful of booger nuts. That's got a sitcom feel to it. It does. Well, booger nuts could be a show on Nickelodeon. It could. Starring Shane, the other girl who lives in the house. Anyways, we digress. As always, moving on. She's leaving, and she's walking to her car. She's flipping through the script. Uh, as we mentioned before, she passes the grip with the nose issue, whatever it is, <laughs> <laughs> with the booger nuts. You know, whenever Valerie is looking through a script, she always has to go through several, several pages before she finds her line, and every time that happens, it makes my heart hurt. Watching it, I had the feeling... At first, that while she's flipping through, like you said, that she was reacting to the fact that she didn't have any lines or that she would only have one line. But that, in fact, that isn't what it is, which I always appreciate when I think that the story is going in one direction, it goes another. Yeah. So it's not about her not having... Which is, I had that reaction too first. I thought, oh no, she has no lines. But she does have lines, apparently, but she's most concerned with this one joke, and she becomes fixated on it. Jane inquires what it is about this one joke, and she expresses her deep feelings and belief that it's important for the audience to like Aunt Sassy, and that if Aunt Sassy makes a joke about a box of puppies being equivalent to Korean she, barbecue. You know, say, okay, you say... We have this box where you, oh, be, you be Malamar. Yes. Oh, I, fu- I forget what the, the tea-up line is. I found this box of puppies. Can we keep them? You see puppies. I see Korean barbecue. You see a box of puppies. I see Korean barbecue. And I don't want to see that. <laughs> Which would have killed it. I but mean, that, that wasn't on there. I would have put the I don't want to see that. Well... The Korean barbecue line disturbed her so much. It disturbed me, too. But it disturbed her for a different reason. It disturbed me. I thought we were going to find out she was a big animal lover, but we really don't find that out at all. So we have the best hopes for her at this moment. And like you, I'm thinking... Animal activist. Right. She loves animals. You want to make us like Valerie Cherish, let us know if she likes animals, too, right? And she has a sense of that because she thinks it's important that... Aunt Sassy be shown as somebody who is at, at the very least tolerant of, of animals and not making jokes about them being like Korean barbecue. Jane's asking her about the joke. She really is talking more about the audience's reaction and you can see that she sees this as a potential downfall for her character for the show. She's, equiv- she's equivocating it with an experience that she had on... I'm it. 
where she believes that the show got canceled, that I'm It was canceled because she made a Rodney King joke that was too soon, or there was a Rodney King joke in the script that was too soon. Problems with a joke. Me? Never. Never. Hello? You seen my costume? <laughs> you know, no, I always give every joke my best shot, you know, and then I just trust that the writers are smart, they'll see it doesn't work, and they'll change it, you know. What if they don't? What if they don't change it? Well, then it's, then it's big trouble, you know. I love what she says when Jane asks how often she has a problem with the joke, or with a joke, and she says, me? Never! I'm a team player. Right? <laughs> She's acting like, oh, she has no problem if it's all for comedy's sake. Which isn't true because she became obsessed with this joke. Obsessed. Obsession galore. So we go to the next scene and uh, it is rehearsal and it's on set and the puppies are there. Mickey is absolutely fawning all over them. We learn Mickey, excuse me. We learn Mickey has a dog uh, who's older. We also are introduced to Gigi, the new female writer on the show, who Valerie seems very excited about having a woman on the writing staff. Because she feels like this is going to be the person who's going to stand up for Aunt Sassy. And really give it a woman's voice, right? Yeah. At first, her first encounter with Gigi, it almost looks like she's blowing her off. Like she's just another PA until she hears that she's a writer. Right. And then her attitude changes, which is... Yeah, that's the thing. She was sort of bitchy to her at first. And you could see how Valerie likes... Everybody thinks she's so nice, but she's not. She's not. We know this. Valerie blows her off as the young writer, as the young female writer, is starting to tell Valerie, answering Valerie's questions about where she's from and what she's doing. As soon as Valerie sees Polly G and Tom... No, but also... She finds out this was her first job and she was a playwright before. Yes, exactly. As soon as she hears playwright or first job. I think it was playwright that she just went, oh. (laughs) Just shut it down. Yeah. Put a pin in it. Let's put a pin in that. Uh, And she had. I want to hear that. She has her Tom and Polly G. She misses. She goes to throw out her yogurt and ends up making a big mess. And. Again, if it were Malamar or somebody else, people would probably just flock to help her clean it up. But Valerie does not get such respect or attention. And also, she was going to walk away from it, but then she remembered the camera crew was there. And she was like, oh, oh, well, look at that. And she walked back. And meanwhile, Polly G reminds her that she missed a spot (laughs) cleaning it up. I hate him. We hate him. However, Valerie is all up in his grill about that joke. You can tell that he doesn't want to hear it. He's not taking notes from Valerie Cherish. And, you know, he loves his joke and he's an idiot. It's not a funny joke. It's not a funny joke. It's a horribly offensive joke. So then we cut to the rehearsal. The writers all seem to love the Korean barbecue joke, which, as you're just saying right now, the writers, they think they're hot shit anyways. They love it. They think they're funny. We can understand that. We think we're funny sometimes and other people don't. (laughs) They don't want to hear that. All right, I'll stop. And she... You don't have to. Please don't stop. Okay. Please don't ever stop. I won't. Okay. But... She wants to talk about the joke, and she brings it up again. Can we talk about the joke? And Polly G shuts her down, saying no. This is 
where she goes into her, all right, you know, um, I always try to honor the joke. And she gives her little namaste bow and does her whole kind of bullshit routine. Then the director, the fabulous Jimmy Burroughs, a.k.a. Jimmy, steps in and asks her, what are you doing? What are you doing? You can't tell two 30-year-old hotshots how to write. Want to start the hate show? Oh, God, no. <laughs> right. Yeah, listen, okay. <clears throat> I didn't want to scare them, all right, but on I Met, my character Becky had a Rodney King joke in a courtroom scene. It ended us, mm-hmm. all right? It was, you know... Right after the riots, and it was, you know, can't we all just like each other more? You mean, uh, can't we all just get along? That was it. Very good. Yeah. You, you, you think that's why your show was canceled? Well, yeah. <laughs> your show was canceled because in the last season you had a chimp working at the law firm. Now, you know the joke doesn't work, and I know the joke doesn't work. Let the audience tell them the joke doesn't work. Honey, mm-hmm. stay out of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. By the way, everyone loved that chimp. <laughs> no, they didn't. be the one person that she does listen to. She does, but she always looks like she's going to cry when he's talking to her. Like, I think he's like a father figure to her, and she's a little scared of him. I was going to say, I think there's some daddy issues there. Yeah, because she always, she really looked like she was going to cry in this one. And maybe but he shuts her down, man. And maybe she actually has a realization at that moment that, yeah, okay. Of course, it doesn't last very long, but that she might be going about it the wrong way. Yeah, he really tells her like it is. He really does. He does not try to make her feel better. Nobody does. Who likes Valerie Jarrett? I think Mickey likes her, but would he like her if she didn't give him a paycheck? I think he would. I think he still has a little hero worship for her. And I think her husband loves her. Yes. And, well, her husband loves her. No, I, <laughs> I do. That's it. I mean, I don't think the film crew likes her. I don't think Jane likes her at all. Jane is an odd one because I have a feeling Jane also feels for her. I mean, she sees her, right? She sees her good, bad, and otherwise. Maybe. The next thing is, oh, okay. So it's after the rehearsal. They're coming out. She's being interviewed by the crew. Jane is inquiring if she feels better after the rehearsal, and they run into the writer who is playing with the puppies. The female writer was playing with the puppies the first time they met her, too. Right. Like, every time we, we, every time we meet her in the beginning, she's always playing with the puppies. And then every time we meet her, she's eating. Yes. And, and she's, uh, she looks, they've made it in a way that she looks unhappy, like she's put on some weight, she wears no makeup. Like, we already know those male writers are beating her down, and she misses home. You know, like there's all kinds of unhappiness surrounding this woman. She's just trying to blend in, not yeah. cause waves. Yeah. Make some friends. And she's excited because, you know, this is, she got a job on a network sitcom. In the, in the midst of all this, Valerie starts playing with the puppies and starts making a show that she's really into the puppy, and she loves the puppies, to sort of counteract, I... When you see she's not... She's holding the puppy up in the air, and not really making any sort of contact, like holding it as far away. Oh, aren't you cute? As far away as she can. It's like Claire Dane's character on Homeland with her baby this season. I don't know if you're watching it I'm or if not. you watch it, but this is bipolar moment. Just the awkwardness with the baby, and she's just horrible. It's hard to watch. 
that's the drama equivalent of watching Valerie Cherish with this puppy as the comedy equivalent. It just does not look natural. It does not come natural to her. She's not a dog person, but she's trying to play one. The adoption person is saying... Who is, by the way, Henriette Mantel? Who is Henriette Mantel? She played Alice in the Brady Bunch movies. And she's also a brilliant stand-up and uh, a very nice person. I love Very Henriette. familiar. I was wondering. I couldn't place her and I hadn't yeah, it looked Henriette. it up. That's fantastic. Oh, you looked it up? Oh. No, I said oh. I didn't. I had oh, yeah. but no, I no, no. her. I was like, I was watching Henriette. Because, you know, I used to always bump into her at Starbucks. This is information that is not really necessary for the show. But but, it's, uh, but she played Alice in the Brady Bunch movies. That is necessary because I was watching her thinking, who is that I know I know You her. know, what's really interesting about the comeback, and, and from what I hear this season as well, the new season coming up, it's amazing who does cameos on it. Right, and they're not necessarily doing themselves. No. And you know, that was, I'm pretty sure that was like during the whole Brady Bunch movie time. That she did it. She didn't look know. anything like her. No, I mean, she's she not, doesn't. She's not... But, like, you know, that was a time when she was, you know, a pretty busy actress, so... So there she was. The puppy wrangler says that they're all up for adoption. Valerie decides that she's going to take one and name it Lucy after Lucille Ball, which thrills Mickey. Everything thrills Mickey. It's true. Everything He gets really excited. He gets he... excited about everything. I want Mickey in my life. Wouldn't it be nice to have a Mickey falling around doing your hair? Yes, and just and just laughing at all your jokes. Yeah, and just and and making sure your makeup is always perfect, and making sure your mood is up. Yes. Where do I get a Mickey? I want a Mickey. I want a Mickey. These days, our gays can get married. I know. (laughs) The the gays will leave the nest. (laughs) They do. They do. Uh, meanwhile, as she's fawning over this puppy, or playing that she's fawning over the puppy, the adoption person is saying, you've got to get her her shots. You've got to fill out these forms. Oh, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> like everything that she was saying, Valerie was like, oh, talk, 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 talk. Why is this I need you to sign these papers. Valerie's trying to walk away with the puppy on a leash and like dragging the puppy. And it's this teeny puppy who has no idea how to walk on a leash yet. You have to train a dog how to walk on a leash. And Valerie's saying, I don't know how to get it to go. (laughs) She's completely out of her element. Of course, she makes the joke at one point, I think at the beginning of the scene, that she could just eat her up, talking about looking at the puppy. (laughs) Not really, not really. I could just eat you up, right. And at the same time, the Korean barbecue joke, she thinks is problematic. But does not, it seems to be completely unaware, lack of self-awareness here, that the joke that is very funny to her and easy in real conversation as Aunt Sassy is inappropriate and going to lose the audience. There's that. Then she's, uh, in the next scene, she's meeting with the female writer in her dressing room. Uh, also reminding her that if worse comes to worse, not to forget that she's always good at physical comedy. They're pitching jokes. And she makes and she makes her watch an episode of... I'm it. I'm it. I, I almost went, it's okay. You know what? I'm thinking, I'm visualizing this scene right now and I'm thinking about what comes next in the hair and I can't even... Before before that even happens, the female writer, again, is trying to process her own place in this situation. She's so really excited because she's like, this is the first time I feel like I fit in somewhere. Let's put a pin in that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Valerie didn't really care. No. Valerie just wants what she wants, and she doesn't care what it takes to get it. She she plays the VHS for her. Meanwhile, Mickey is loving every moment of the 
sitcom that they're watching. Oh, he's reliving his glory days, too. They've got to put the puppy down for a nap on top of her blue pashmina. Then the PA comes in looking for Gigi. The writers have been looking for her, Tom and Polly G. And clearly she's in trouble. She's in trouble, and Valerie doesn't realize that she's probably not making anything any better by saying, just tell them you were with me. Oh, you just know. Dun, 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 dun. (sighs) Oh, and she does take the time to inform everybody what the term spitballing means. We were just spitballing. What that is, is. (laughs) I love how, yeah, she always has to make sure she has the right terminology for her reality show, for the sitcom. She always wants to look like she knows everything about show business and writing. And she's educating you because you, the viewer or the writer or the, uh, the new actress, whoever else is on the receiving end, has no idea. Yeah, she's always got to make that very clear. After Gigi walks out, it becomes clear, or maybe right before, that Lucy, the puppy, has pooped on the pashmina. (laughs) Valerie Cherish has got the poop in her hair. Well, she just throws the pashmina around, and she's like, oh, oh, you see, like, a little poop on it. And then Mickey's like, oh, it's in your hair, it's in your hair, it's then it gets really smelly. And Don't it rub it. The whole thing, yes. And he's having her dab at it. And I wanted to reach on that screen and just pluck that poop. I know. It was just, there was a poop sitting there. Why didn't they just take the poop out of her I, hair? Why was she dabbing? It was maddening. It was very maddening. And then she said, can we wash it? And I think he said, yeah, we can. But the, yeah, the, the reaction was very strange. Yes. And... Gigi hadn't left the room yet. I still then, want to pluck that poop. Oh, I know. It's hard to watch. I know. Then the PA comes in and is like, is that a shit smell? <laughs> Even the PA is mean to Valerie. Yeah, the, the PA knows. They all know. They all know that you shouldn't be too nice. To, you've got to be nice to her, but not too nice right. because you don't want to piss off everybody else. Then, and basically Polly G and Tom. Right. Because they've decided they don't like her. That's it. They've just... that's Which... Is actually something that happens on shows. If somebody decides that they don't like somebody, it all becomes a hierarchy. Like, who is more powerful in that scenario? And it's in any business, I'm sure. In any workplace. So then we cut to... She's in bed with Mark, and it's the first night having the puppy at home. Well, we don't know if it's the first night. Maybe it's not the first night. But she's got the puppy at home, and even though the adoption person told her to keep the puppy in the crate... She can't stand listening to the puppy cry. The puppy is in the crate. Well, see, at least we see a bird they're trying. But even Mark, Mark is like, just bring the puppy into bed. We'll put him in the crate the next night. He gives in because he can't sleep. The puppy inadvertently scratches her face. And the puppy's really excited to be in the bed. It's being a puppy. It's being a puppy. And it just up for the puppy. So absolutely please. wants to be all cuddly with a mama. It wants a new mama. Not going to get that from Valerie Cherish. I don't want to hold that. <laughs> Again, we're seeing she's not very maternal. No, not, not nurturing at all. No. After the puppy scratches her face, she decides she can't sleep in the room and leaves Mark there with the puppy. He still doesn't understand why she got the puppy, and she just she doesn't even want to discuss it because she's made a bad decision, and as always, she does not want to fess up to it. So she just sort of it, it reminds me of the. Was it the first episode where she's like, let's not get in the blame game. Let's yes. not play the blame game about the pipes. It's He's always being the sensible one, and she's just disregarding it. 
The next morning at breakfast, Mark is reading the paper. Jane is looking over his shoulder. He offers her the paper, but she doesn't want it. As Valerie comes in with the puppy, dragging the puppy, who still has not learned how to walk with the leash. But she doesn't care. She's going to walk that dog, God damn it. She's going to drag that dog. <laughs> she will drag that dog till it walks. The revisions on the script came, but... Suddenly, the puppy's not as important because the script is there. And she puts the puppy off into Mark's arms. And she's looking through the script for that joke. It hasn't changed. And she's all all upset. And Mark is starting to get a little tense. He, He obviously had a hard night sleeping. She left the bedroom, left him there with it. And... She's obsessing about this joke, and he makes a comment about never having seen her like this before. And we learn a little bit more about their relationship. That ever since they've been together, she hasn't been working. At least not like this. We don't know if she maybe did any commercials or any small things, but... But they have a really nice house. But he's a businessman. Of some kind. He takes care of them somehow. This is not the life that they've had. And... He's seeing another side of her, it seems. Right. I agree with you. And then... And I'm not sure if he likes it, you know, because I think he liked that she was, you know, she was kind of his trophy wife. She was probably great at it. Yeah. She offers to make him breakfast and asks him if he wants wheat toast, and he says white, which I thought was just this one little stupid thing, but I thought, you're married to the man. You know whether he's For a lot of years, probably. I mean, it seems like they've been married a while. So you know whether the man wants wheat or white toast. She pawns the puppy off on him again because it's not sanitary. Which, as a pet owner, one thinks, why do you have a pet if you're, like, going to be obsessed about all that? Then we're on the set for shoot night, and the girl writer is at craft service eating again. Pushing her feelings down with food. And asks specifically that Valerie not talk to the writers about their meeting the other day because everything that she'd gone back and pitched had been shot down. And you can tell that Gigi is very well aware of the fact that aligning herself with Valerie Is this Cherish, the part where she said, I got, I got in trouble for the time I spent with you? Or Yeah. Yeah. So she, she knows now that it's not a good thing, right? Don't, she, and she asked her not to bring it up. That the lines were rejected and Valerie's like, oh, yes, yes. So now we are at another shoot night. It's yes. another shoot night and they are out doing cast introductions before <laughs> they start. Right? And Valerie does the robots. Valerie, Sorry, did I step on you? No, she does. She, You knew it was going to happen. Valerie gets something in her head. It's hard to get it out. She's a very, And it killed. People loved it. Right. It was in response to Jessie smacking her butt. And yes. then she went into full-on robot mode. It was great. Jessie's like, oh, that was really funny. And she's like, yeah, yeah, because I saved it. People did like the robot. Jessie was wrong, but uh, it, is, it is kind of ridiculous. <laughs> then they're shooting the scene, and they're shooting the puppy scene, and the Korean barbecue joke does not Go. Oh, it just tanks. It's like song. No, it was more than songs. It was like an oh. Yeah. The audience Oh, was. that was bad. And Jimmy, the director, had mentioned to her earlier, like, look, it's you know it's a bad joke. I know it's a bad joke. Let the audience tell them. As an actor, it's not your job to tell them. Just let the audience. Which is true. Yeah. 
And she would have been a lot better off. She would have made it easier for herself had she just waited. It's, it's very much a karmic kind of thing. <laughs> the writers set to rewrite the joke on set, which is what happens. This is part of the process is when a joke doesn't play. I feel like Valerie Cherish right now. When a joke doesn't play on a show... The writers all gather around and start to pitch new ones, and the actors don't typically get in there. What did, um, what did Polly G mouth to her when the joke didn't work? Or when she did the new joke? Did he mouth thank you or fuck you? I couldn't tell. I don't know, but my guess would be fuck you. If Polly G is mouthing something at her, my guess is going to be it's fuck you more than thank you. Yeah. However, while they are spitballing, as they are spitballing, a term we all know now. Uh, if Valerie we didn't Cherish know before, taught us. Valerie Cherish, School of Sitcom Production. She gets in there and she's pitching the jokes that Gigi had told her not to refer to. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was horrible for Gigi. Oh, my God. She's just, Valerie just doesn't know. She's not thoughtful. She said when Gigi and I were spitballing. Everything she had promised Gigi she would not do, she did. Yeah. Oh, the other thing is, is when that joke didn't fly, Mickey says, oh, welcome to Nosedive Airlines. Again, <laughs> again, Mickey pipes in with a comment that is not helpful. No, Mickey. We love you. We love you, Mickey. She gets pushed out of the pitching and uh, Jimmy is trying to push her out as well like don't get in their way he just looks at her like oh valerie and then she makes the comment to the makeup girl oh <gasps> oh that was the worst she yeah apologizes about the makeup girl is asian of some of some descent we find out she's japanese but valerie as always not listening to people not noticing not knowing the difference and trying to even though she doesn't really care Trying to look politically correct or do the right thing. And sticking her foot in it deep. It's like a plop of crap stuck in her hair. <laughs> <laughs> that, plop, that plop of crap stuck in her hair was very, very telling. It serves as a metaphor for a lot of what's going on here. She is, yes. She keeps stepping in it. Even so, though it's in her hair. Right. So Valerie apologizes to the Japanese makeup artist about for the, the Korean comment. And then tries to save herself by saying, well, if it's offensive to any of your Korean friends, who then the Japanese makeup artist is saying, what makes you think I have Korean friends? Again, it's just the levels of... Where Valerie yeah, she ruins just... herself. How much, she, how much shit she can step in. How much shit plops in her hair. <laughs> it's amazing. How deep she digs herself. Then Gigi is sent over to give Valerie the line. And it's even worse. It is even worse. It's, you know, just to, like almost almost to make her suffer. I feel like almost to make her suffer, they make the line just really demoralizing. Oh, you know they do. You know they've got to, right? Before Gigi even gives her the line, Jimmy says, Here comes the hate show. <laughs> got something? Yes, okay. um, here's the new line, and they want you to say it exactly like this. Here comes the hate show. You walk in, and you see the puppies licking Cassie, mm -hmm. and you say, I haven't been licked like that since 1943. Yeah. The math's a little off. That would make me 100. Um, and then they want you to make a tiger sound. Can you do that? 
Yes, I can. Struggle. You see her struggle for a second, and she, you know, she's going to be a team player, damn it. It is a great example of be careful what you wish for. She wanted that Korean barbecue joke out so badly, and then here she is. But you know what? When she did that joke, she did it, She delivered it well. It truly was not a funny joke. The Korean barbecue joke? Yeah. Oh, I but agree. I mean, she delivered it with very good comedy timing. Yes, she's there. She's doing her business. She was a pro. She has to be good. And that is, that's always the sitcom comedy. And when thing. she did this line, she did it like a pro. And it, and it killed, and that's when Polly G mouthed her, I think, fuck you. Something like that. It, I don't know. I I feel like I want to go back. I couldn't figure it out when I watched it last night. Because, uh, like, if he had muttered, thank you, that would have been really interesting, too. Like, thank you for just not making any more trouble. I don't know. But I can't imagine it being that nice. I did catch that there was a look that was exchanged with Polly G, and he was... Like, there's your fucking new line. But he mouths, but he mouths something to her. And we will have to follow up on that. We get a shot of Mark in the audience who looks happy. I'm sure he thinks, well, that's great. She got what she yeah. wanted. He's not even thinking about the fact that the new joke might be worse for her. They've just called his wife 100 years old. After the show, and this is the last scene of the episode, she is walking to her car and sees Pauly G driving away and she flags him down and... Is He's smoking in his convertible. He's just sitting there smoking a cigarette. And was it a cigarette or a cigar? I don't know. I think it was a cigar, actually. So he's killing himself softly, uh, either with a cigarette or a cigar. Valerie makes a big deal of thanking Polly G for changing the line. As always, he does not respond to her. Polly G probably has less lines in every episode than anybody, but he is one of the strongest presents. You know what's so weird? Today at Chipotle, we were sitting next to a table full of guys, and I go, I feel like I know those guys from somewhere, like they're guys I've worked with. They all reminded me of forms of Polly G. They all look like they worked either, I said they were, look like they work either in a sitcom or a Comic-Con. And he's got that look, like either sitcom or Comic-Con look, doesn't he? He does. Lance Barber. The actor is Lance Barber. Who, I'm not quite sure what else he's done that... We'll have to look that up. Yeah, I mean, I have looked it up, but I, I don't remember anything that really stood out as... Yeah, oh, yeah. I don't remember seeing him in anything else. Polly, Polly, listen, just wanted to say thank you so much for changing that line. You know, it's just... And thinking on your feet like that, that was, you know, and going, very fun to do. So, just thank you so much. Really, really enjoying <clears throat> You know, don't hate me. That You can't hate me. One joke. It's not fair, you know. It's not who I am. That's not who I am. You know, I'm a team player and I'm a hard worker. I'm the one who buys gifts for all the crew. You know, that's who I am. That's who I am. So, all right. All right, have a good, have a good night. Powering her with hate through his eyes. Begging him not to hate her, which just makes it sadder. Tremendously pathetic and sad. To, and I hate feeling that way for somebody. Ugh. We're just like, no, no, stop it, stop stepping, step away, step away from the car. And this reflects the pattern of all these episodes. She starts like telling us who she is, even though everything she shows us is the complete opposite. And it doesn't matter because, yeah, we, we're, we're seeing her in all her glory. 
But I don't think she knows who she really is. There is a, a river in Egypt called Denial, and I think she floats on it all the time. <laughs> well, I'll tell you who she thinks she is. That she's a team player. She's a hard worker. She's the one who buys gifts for all the crew. That's she's kind to everybody. Right. Even though she totally dissed Gigi twice the first time she met her. First when she thought she was a crew person. Then when she found out she was a playwright. And then, well, she threw her under the bus again with them on the and set then, pitching. Uh, oh, and she's an animal lover, as we learn in the last scene. So... Polly G takes off, and she goes to get in her car and drive away and stops about 20 feet down the road as she realizes she doesn't have the puppy. It looks like she has just left the puppy running around willy-nilly. You've got no idea where the puppy was, where it's coming from, but it looks like it's in the middle of the road and could have been struck at any moment. And as somebody says, and she may be the one, it's just too close. Yeah. And then suddenly, as this episode is over and the and the Korean barbecue puppy episode is over, she informs us all that she can't keep the puppy. She doesn't need, she knows, she said, they go, she goes, that was close. She goes, it was too close. She just says to Jane, you take the puppy. <laughs> you love dogs. You take the puppy. I can't keep the puppy. But first she offers it to Jane before she even says, she goes, you take her. Here. Here clean it up and jane doesn't want the puppy jane recognizes either the responsibility of it or else jane just has her own life we already has a dog may already have a dog i didn't know whether jane liked puppies or not well i I don't think valerie did either she's like you like animals (laughs) she tells other people who they are and like she tells us who she is but she's not actually listening to people uh, when they're telling her who they are or watching them as we know she doesn't put a pin in it I don't know that she tells everybody that, but I know she's thinking it. She also makes another joke about it really will be Korean barbecue. That, that if she keeps oh, the puppy. Yeah. So, you know, we're reminded over and over again. She didn't disapprove of that joke for any animal rights reasons. It was just because she thought people wouldn't like Aunt Sassy. Right. We hear the song, I Want to Be Loved by You. I don't know what rendition that is, but as she's driving off. Uh, yeah. And... Uh, it just makes me... Then we close on a close-up of the puppy in Jane, Jane's arms. And the vulnerability of the puppy. That poor puppy. That poor puppy. That's all I could think about. I'm, I'm such an animal lover. Plus, that puppy looked a little bit like your dog, Sookie. The thing about the puppy, as well as an animal lover, is that I'm more concerned about the puppy than I am about Valerie. And But that shows you how much... You know, it's hard to love Valerie. It is. I mean, we love her because we love to not love her, but, you know, but she makes it hard. So any overall thoughts or feelings? That's it. That's a, we're, we're done with this episode, and it was directed by um, Michael Lehman and written by John Riggi. John Riggi! John Riggi is a great comic, really funny, really great writer, the sweetest man. I was really excited when I saw John Riggi on there. Um... I love his comedy. He's fantastic. And it was a great episode. It was a great episode. Really well written. Not a surprise, because John Reed, wrote it. And, and Henriette was in it. Comedians represent all over that episode. And puppies. Puppies and comedians. What more can you want? I was really happy that the puppy didn't go home with her. Me too. We'll see you shortly for episode five.
conflicted. I feel conflicted. I don't want to see that. I feel conflicted. I don't need to see that. I don't want. I don't need to 